So, lower your gaze from the heavens down to earth and a heavenly place where Tim Entwistle, often heard on Blueprint on RN with Mr Green, is about to say goodbye. How can he bear to leave paradise? Tim, where are we sitting? We're in a pavilion, one of the many beautiful pavilions in Royal Botanic Gardens, Melbourne. So we have two botanic gardens, Melbourne and Cranbourne. And we have these lovely old, I suppose, heritage structures. And we met by a great big oak stump. <laughs> it's very ornate in a lawn of oaks, quercus, I think we call them in the official language. Why did you leave that stump there? Oh, look, that's a lovely example of a botanic garden changing and the fact that this is, while it's a beautiful old garden, we keep doing new things. And in that case, this big old oak fell over, 150 years old, possibly due to drought, climate change, uh, possibly. And it's, it wasn't going to survive any, you know, that species won't do so well in these botanic gardens. So we decided instead of chipping it and putting it back on the garden somewhere else, we'd leave the stump and we had some woodworkers work with the big branches that fell. We lay them a little bit like the way they fell, just as a kind of a, a tribute. And people can now go and sit on those amongst some local, uh, we've put some local plants as well, some grasses and flowers from the local area. And it's now, as you saw, rotting away. So there are some beautiful orange fungal fruiting bodies on it. It will decay. And amongst it, we've planted three new oaks from Texas, California, Mexico. And these are oaks that we'll need to plant in Melbourne to survive climate change. So it's a lovely place to reflect on the old <laughs> and, uh, and think about the good and, and not so good about the new. Isn't it interesting because you have to get your eye in and look at the various detailed parts of the botanic gardens to see what's going on, like you would any part of nature. It's so subtle and deep and there's no limit to complexity. But here, just reflecting on your book, which we featured in the Science Show a few months ago, what is a botanic garden? It's a beautiful place. It's a public place for people to enjoy. It's a sort of museum. It's an experiment. All of those things, you pointed that out, I think, almost for the first time. Well, look, I think it is a bit of everything. And this is the, the wonder and this is the delight of a botanic garden. It's a, first up, it's a beautiful place. We were just commenting on, you know, this is the, one of the most beautiful botanic gardens in the world here in Melbourne. But behind that, there are collections of plants, so like a museum or an art gallery. There are people learning about nature, their first contact with nature in a botanic garden. And I've often said, probably to the boredom of the people at work here, that this mix of science, nature and culture is what makes a great botanic garden really buzz and really do those things we want it to do, which at the end of the day is getting people to appreciate, understand and spend time with plants. And we do that through cultural ways as well and I did write something recently around why this is important as a collection of plants and not just a beautiful place and I and someone was saying why don't you why don't you remove the botanic garden and bring back the natural vegetation here and I said that that's fine it's an interesting idea we've done a little bit of that on part of the garden but I would first take the MCG I would uh, perhaps the art gallery as well beautiful art gallery let's take those out replace those with the vegetation and let's leave the botanic garden to next because it's got other values we need. <laughs> they ran horrified away from you, did they? Well, look, apparently I alienated most of the Melbourne audience by saying that, but it's that interesting thing about botanic gardens sometimes being taken for granted and people not realising the number of layers and the complexity of what they are. Well, it's so beautiful, so why are you leaving? 
<laughs> good, a very good question. I've worked in botanic gardens now for maybe over 30 years at Sydney's Botanic Gardens, of course, and uh, Kew Gardens in London, and here twice. And I have a few other things I want to do. I, I do want to do a bit more writing, spend a time with a grandchild. I do want to do less of a few things I need to do in these roles. So I love botanic gardens. I love being director. It's, it's just a, a wonderful role when you want to talk about plants and communicate and all those kind of things. But there are a few other things I want to do in life. A couple of weeks ago, we had something on from the Northern Rivers area of New South Wales, and Maurizio came to talk about the genes that they're collecting of the Gondwanan remnants. Now, you appointed him, did you? I did. I was really pleased to hear Maurizio firing and sort of continuing this work that he began probably when he started back at Sydney's Gardens. It's another great example of the way a botanic garden can be involved in, a, in this case, looking after some really important vegetation and from a variety of different points of view. So we often think of describing, classifying plants as a sort of fundamental part of a herbarium, as we call them, those preserved plant collections and also a botanic garden. But someone like Maurizio then takes that into the conservation genetics area. We have people here at the gardens in Melbourne, particularly out at our Cranbourne site, working on conservation of orchids. And they're doing fantastic work on the pollination, the fungi that are associated with those. So the, the interconnections, again, a botanic garden being more than just a single one thing. Well, the story about uh, the Northern Rivers, of course, was the remnant of Gondwanan plants. You know, we've heard of the Wallamai pine, which is even older than that. As you look around the landscape of Australia, there are still patches of that. Before there was even an Australia, there was a Gondwana, you know, the giant continent, going so many millions of years back. Do people realise this? They don't always. I think people see the Australian flora and they may be, I mean, people that love nature and get out and walk amongst it and, and understand the variety here, that they know, you know, a lot of people know Australian plants are, are different to what they are around the world. But that deep connection, that historical connection to that great southern land, and I think also that variety and diversity of our flora, because there's a tendency to think of, you know, it's a Banksia and there's a eucalypt and there's maybe a, a couple of wattles, but of course there's hundreds and hundreds of each of those groups and that's it's not the point about showing off about I know there are many plants here it's more that there's deep ecological connections there that each of these particular wattles and eucalypts grows in particular places so that's you know that's how these ecosystems thrive but also that work like Maurizio is doing and others where it's the variety and the thousands of years of evolution millions of years of evolution that have created this environment we now need to protect. Now, the research here is general, as you've described. Is there anything special you'd like to mention as you go out the gate, <laughs> go out the door, pull up your stump? Something that's beginning now in terms of research. There's a couple of big areas we do. I mentioned the, the orchid conservation work, which I do think is, is incredibly important. We're very involved in a genomics project, genomics of Australian plants, and it's a straight-wide project, and we've done things like the golden wattle, you know, the acacia and, and a, a few sort of iconic species with their genome now completely mapped. But this is a very exciting project, partly because of what it's doing, which is bringing the knowledge of plant genome up to what we know of animals and other organisms. But also it's a lovely collaborative project and I like the idea that here in Melbourne we're kind of say we're leaders or not leaders but where we are driving and help to push this project across Australia. So I like the idea that Melbourne is doing that. I think the, some of that conservation genetics work we do and 
The other one I'd mention probably is our fungal work. And at the moment, we've been walking through the Botanic Garden and there's lots of odd structures around because we have a light event on at night. And one of those is devoted to fungi. And uh, we talked about the fungi in the oak. And we have two mycologists, so two fungal experts working at the gardens, which doesn't happen that often, doesn't happen that often. I know Sydney Gardens has mycology as well. And these two people are discovering, describing, and not just species by species, but looking for creative ways to try and map the fungal diversity. And we know how important that is. So that's the other strength mm. here. You're not leaving the country, are you? You're going to stay around? Are you going to stay with Jonathan Green doing... Radio National Broadcasts? I'd certainly like to. We're sort of trying to hatch a plan where we might be allowed outside the gates of the gardens and we might walk into other places around. I would love to do more of that. And that's something I've, I've always enjoyed a lot. I have toyed with the idea of moving north, actually, more towards perhaps, Robin, where you're, you're part of the world. I have family in Sydney, uh, Marrickville and the Southern Highlands. Maybe moving up that way in the next few years could be a possibility as well. I'll stay in touch. Thank you so much and good luck. Lovely to talk as always, Robin. Thanks. Tim Entwistle, stepping down as director of the Royal Botanic Garden, Melbourne. His book is Evergreen, The Botanical Life of a Plant Punk. Why punk? Okay, well, read the book. It's lovely.